Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service of May 21st, 2023, from Pastor Brett Cottrell. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 18. We've been working our way through the book of Exodus now for a couple of months. Next week, we get to chapter 19, chapter 20. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be entering that section we find this morning that the people of Israel are. They are now approaching and are finding themselves encamped at Mount Sinai, you know, the Mount of God. And especially beginning next week and the week after that, we're going to see that whole sequence of God beginning to make His covenant and share His word with the people of Israel. This morning, the chapter is kind of a bit of a transition. They have been freed from captivity in Egypt. They have made their way through the Red Sea, and they have begun now a couple months' journey into the wilderness. They have looked for water, they have looked for food, and they have seen God do miraculous things in bringing them there. And we come to chapter 18, there's a bit of a family reunion, and Moses is going to have a chance to give, if you will, to his father-in-law Jethro a praise report, sort of what you heard a few moments ago. And in just a few short verses, Moses is able to tell Jethro all that's taken place over the last few months. In Egypt. So let's begin reading Exodus chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard, all of, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, for Moses said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was, where he was camped at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with, your, with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed, and kissed, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other of the welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that had done, all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the hardship they had befallen them on the journey, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel and to delivering them from the land or from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone or sit alone as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you. The task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I'll give you counsel and God be with you. 
You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Teach them the statutes of the law, and make them known to the, in the ways which they are to walk, the work they are to do. Furthermore, you should select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. You shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will, hear the, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and of tens. Judged the people, he judged the people at all times, or they judged the people at all times, the difficult disputes they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning. We seek to know you. We seek to learn from how you dealt with Israel and how you dealt with Moses. We seek to know what they know as they journeyed in the wilderness, as they celebrated their freedom, as they got to know what it was like to walk with you, Lord. We ask the same thing this morning. So, Father, would you, through the power of your Spirit, speak to us this morning through your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to this chapter we remember that one of God's stated purposes as He has been dealing with Israel, not only in the the freedom from Egypt itself, but even through things like the Red Sea and through the trials that have taken place since, that one of God's stated goals for for Israel was that they would come to know who He is, that they would come to know His glory. It wasn't simply that God was taking Israel from point A to point B, from Egypt to Canaan. It was that God had a journey that He wanted Israel to go on, and He wanted them to go on this journey in such a way that they would learn the very nature and character of God. He wanted them to know Him, to experience His glory. And so whether it was taking them through something miraculous like the Red Sea, or whether it was even letting them experience hunger and thirst so that He could miraculously provide for them, so that He could provide things like manna, Whether it was all these things, God took them through these things so that they would learn who He is. And now we have arrived with Israel at Mount Sinai. And we don't just jump into the Ten Commandments, so to speak. There's an episode here that God is going to use to teach Israel and Moses and even us this morning a little bit about who He is. And it's this. He meets up with Jethro. Apparently at some point along this journey of Israel's freedom, um, Maybe even pretty early on after Moses had gotten to Egypt and realized that things weren't going to go perhaps as quickly and easily as he thought, it appears that he sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons back home so they would be safe. And so um, Jethro shows up at Moses' father-in-law and brings Zipporah and Moses' two sons, and there's a little bit of a family reunion. Now Jethro is, it tells us here and elsewhere, a, a chief priest, a priest of the people called the Midianites. Now, just in case you're wondering, you've probably heard the name Midianites throughout the course of the Old Testament. Uh, for the most part, later on down the line, they are enemies of God's people. Uh, perhaps the story you, most be fam- you might most be familiar with is that of Gideon, and it is Gideon that is fighting those 30,000 Midianites, which is 300 guys, and that, that's 
who they're fighting then. In fact, even Moses will lead battles against the Midianites later on in their journeys in the wilderness. So we know from history that the Midianites were, were nomadic, divided people. So there's probably different groups and sections of them. But Moses' wife and, of course, his father-in-law at this point in time are Midianites. And it is this man who shows up. By the way, the Midianites were direct descendants of Abraham, just like Israel was. You may remember that uh, Sarah, uh, the father of Isaac and, and Ishmael, she died at some point, and after she died, Mo, Abraham married a second wife named Keturah. One of her sons was named Midian, and the Midianites are direct descendants of Abraham through his second wife, Keturah. So these are people who have a background, at least knowing who God is, even though we know from the rest of Scripture that as a group, they mostly worshiped the Baal. And so as a result, they often found themselves at odds with the people of God. But Moses shows up. Jethro shows up, and Moses relates to him all that God has done. And I would imagine that was a fun meeting. Jethro, do you know what it looks like when hundreds of feet of water stack up on top of it and let you walk through the middle of a giant sea? Do you know that bread can show up and taste like honey in the morning like dew? Did you know you can get water out of a rock? And all these things that God had done through Moses. So there was a great time of rejoicing. I hope even this morning, as you got just a glimpse of hearing Steve or hearing Tammy and, and Greg and Jim talk about just a, a brief glimpse of what we did in, in, in West Africa. And I'll just tell you this. We, we had a chance to, to meet, with, meet with and talk to a lot of college-age kids, 18, 24, 25 years old, and see and recognize that God's doing a great work among those people that the gospel is going forward, that there are, in fact, people of God in, there, in, in that nation that God is using to take the gospel to their people. We've heard testimonies of those who had been converted to Christ who are now witnessing for Him there. And the, the, the work is, is uh, monumental. It is not hard to walk down those streets and recognize that all those things, all those streets you saw, that are the, those are the main streets. That's what it looks like walking down the city streets. And it's not hard to find yourself overwhelmed by the need, not just physically, but even spiritually. And the truth is, you and I here at London First Baptist Church, we don't have the capacity to meet those needs. You and I could give everything we have materially and otherwise, and it wouldn't be a drop in the bucket. And that can be discouraging at first. But the truth is, much like Peter on his way to the temple in the book, early on in the book of Acts, confronting someone who needed healing, Peter says to that man who was lame on the side of the road to the temple, he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Christ, be healed. You and I, whether it's the neighbor across the street, or whether it's someone across the world, we don't have by ourselves the capacity to do a whole lot that will make a difference, at least not for eternity. But what we can do is say this, we'll bring what we have, and that is the name of Christ. Your next-door neighbors need that, your sons and daughters, your grandkids, your grandparents, your friends need that, and so do they all the way around the world. And we go 
because God has said, go to all the world, and because God's worth talking about, and because they have a need to hear the gospel. So you got just a brief glimpse of that this morning, and I hope you will rejoice with us, and I hope you will consider and pray about how God may have you to be involved, whether it's there, whether it's Kansas City, or the other things that we're involved with as a church. But, Joseph, but, but Moses comes, tells to Jethro everything that's happened, and they rejoice. And then Jethro, having seen what God's doing, and even seeing how Moses is interacting, he has those words that you and I love to hear. Don't, is it, it, I mean, we all, there, there are certain phrases that we hear that we all kind of get a chill up our spine. You know, maybe it's at work and someone says, um, we need to talk. You, you heard that? You go, ugh. When someone comes up to you and says, you know, Brett, would you mind some words of, of advice? Now, doesn't those words right there thrill your heart? How many times, you know, uh, there, there are certain moments in life that seem to really bring those about. You know, uh, um, uh, uh, most of you probably know that Matthew and, and Lindsay are going to be getting married here in a few months. And, 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 and so when, when somebody's getting married, when somebody's about to get married, what do they get a lot of? Advice. You know, now that you're getting married, let me share with you a few things you'll need to know. And the truth is, he's got some of that coming. <laughs> you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're about to have your first child, what do you get a lot of besides presents? Advice. Let me tell you what to do or what not to do. And what's really fun is when five people come to you with five different ideas about the exact same problem that you're going to have when you're a parent. It's a, word we, it's, it's a phrase we all love, isn't it? I have, would you mind a word of advice? And on top of that, when Moses shows up, and Moses has been used of God to do these incredible things, he has led the people of Israel out of slavery and through all these incredible things, and then Moses' father-in-law shows up. Guys, you all got, some of you all got fathers-in-law, right? Now, I, I loved my father-in-law. We had, a, we had a really good relationship. But let's be honest. When your father-in-law shows up and says, let me tell you something, you're, you're doing that wrong. Some of you look around each other. I can see, I see that. That's the wonderful thing about having families in church. You can look across the aisle at each other when, God, when the preacher makes a point. And, and Moses' father-in-law says, Moses, let me share with you something there. You just got to love it. He's not subtle about it. He just says there in, in, uh, he says there in verse 17, what you're doing, Moses, this is not good. Now, there's no other way to spin that one, is there? Moses, uh, let, me, let me give you some advice. Now, of course, in this case, it was godly, good advice. He, he tells Moses, listen, you're taking on too much. Now, we could, we could talk this morning about being a workaholic. We could talk this morning about what it means to perhaps do what Moses was doing, and that is um, to get in that spot where you think everything depends on you. Maybe, we, maybe we've been there where you, 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 don't, you don't really want to state it this way, but you kind of feel like if you don't do it, that it's going to all fall apart. Uh, and let's be honest, sometimes we, we kind of like feeling indispensable. We kind of like the idea of feeling that um, if, if we go away, the world will crash for everyone that we know. 
Maybe you've even heard the phrase, if you want something done right. Now, what we really mean by that is, if you want it done the way I want it done, do it yourself. That's really, you know, but we, we know what that's like. And so when someone sees us and says, you know what? Here's some, here's, here's some counsel. Now, we can talk about, I, I think there's some wise counsel. I find interesting in the description that, and the, and the advice that Jethro gives Moses in this particular instance, I find in here, as I saw this myself in particular, advice to pastors. And this is, since what he told Moses was stop doing everything yourself, he says, Moses, you do, this is your job. He says, you go before the Lord on behalf of your people. I would say that today, Moses, go pray. You intercede for your people. And then... You take what God says back to your people and you teach them God's word and then recruit, gather, and train some guys to do the work. And, and by the way, this isn't a summary. What a, this is what a pastor to do. This is, the, this is the mission of the church, by the way. Peter calls us in the New Testament as a church. He says, we are a kingdom of priests. That is that you and I, as a people, as a church, as a New Testament gathered group of people who trust in Christ, our, our job as a, as a nation of priests is this. To, this is what priests do. They serve as an intermediary. They are a go-between. Part of our job as a group of believers this morning is to see the people around us who don't know the Lord and go to God on their behalf and pray like nobody's business. Do you know people who are unsaved? The answer is, of course, yes. Do you know people that need a work of God in their lives, believers or unbelievers? And the answer, of course, is yes. So what's the first job you have? Not the last one, the first one. Pray. So this is his advice to Moses. You pray. You go before the Lord on their behalf. And, of course, in Moses' and in Moses' situation, he's about to get a lot of words of God in the, in the coming days. Take what you know that God has said and give it back. Relay it. Teach it. We call this sometimes witnessing. We sometimes call it teaching. Sometimes we just call it, calling it uh, passing along words of wisdom. It doesn't mean that we have to go along our lives looking for people to bang upside the head with some truth we found that morning. It does mean, though, that we, as a people of God, as a nation of priests, that we are to be praying and that we are supposed to be sharing the Word of God. And then, of course, he tells Moses, gather some leaders up and let them take the burden for you. So this is, this is the advice that Jethro gives in particular to Moses in this situation. I think there are some things for us to learn from that. But mostly this I wanted to get it to this morning. How do we respond to counsel how do we react when someone tells us you might want to think about this how do we respond now listen i'm just like you when someone comes up to me and says brett you might want to think about this instead of that you have to fight that reaction to go really and you get a you get a hundred reasons in your mind when they don't why that they don't really know what they're talking about right I, uh, when, we were, when we were in Texas 15, 20 years ago, well, it's been, it's been that long, uh, one of the members of our church 
was the local high school football coach. And uh, he was also the athletic director at the high school and the football coach. And he, he would always joke that, especially when you get into a smaller town, we were in a, a smaller town with its own school. Uh, it, was a, it was like a class 2A school, we might call it. And he said, you know what? There's two, there's two guys in a small town church or a small town community like ours that get all the advice they can handle. It's the football coach and the pastor. Because everyone wants to tell you how to do the job. Now, truth be told, I, I haven't really come across that to, to any really harmful degree. As a football coach, though, I know I saw it happen all the time. Even on church, on Sunday mornings, you know, who could tell him that that was the wrong play to call. It wasn't like he didn't spend 40 hours a week thinking about it. Now, that being said, I've, I've, I've yelled at the TV a couple times about how stupid a coach is. The truth is, odds are, I'm the one who's wrong. Sometimes we get lots of advice. Sometimes it's not unsolicited. But here's, here's the deal. How do we, whether you're someone in my position or someone in your position, how do we handle it when someone comes up and tells us, you might want to think about this. When they offer perhaps a, a sense of correction. Well, here's what the Bible has to say about this. I want to read for you just a handful of quick scriptures. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice, accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs eleven fourteen. When there's Where there's no guidance, a people fall. An abundance of counselors, there's, or in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Wow. Put that one on Facebook and see what happens. James 3, 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. In other words, as believers, we should be open to counsel. It doesn't mean that everything everyone has to say to us is necessarily on point. But the real issue is, what is our heart? What is our spirit in engaging with or being open to counsel? It says here in chapter 18 that Moses, first two, it says Jethro said to Moses, listen. And then it says there later on in the chapter that Moses did indeed listen. That word is shema. Now, if, if shema or shema sounds familiar, there is a phrase in the Bible that we call the shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It begins with the word hear. It's the shema. It means listen. Now, there's different ways to hear, isn't there? How many of y'all remember that? I don't know, they, they still do this hearing test in elementary school. Basically, put the little headphones on. Beep. Y'all remember that? Which ear did it come in? Beep. 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 Fail. Um, that, that's pretty basic, just sound recognition. Yeah, I heard, it, I heard a noise. But there's, there's, there's the next layer of listening, isn't there? It's listening for something and then kind of understanding it. Sometimes you listen to things and you hear things and you kind of go, it's just in one ear and out the other. It's not much more than going beep. But then there's a listening that says, okay, I, I, I heard you and I understand that. And then there's the hearing that means I heard that, I understood it, I know what it means, and I need to do that. 
And that's the hearing that Moses did. He heard it. Now, the way we do that is this. Receiving counsel, even from a father-in-law like Moses did, means that I have to not be operating from a point of pride. Jethro came to Moses and said, listen, this is not in your best interest. This is not good for you. Moses is not going to be good for the people. You're going to wear out. They're, not, they're going to get frustrated. This is not good for anybody. Moses, if your motive is to lead the people of Israel to do what's best for them so that they can understand and know who God is. I, I know Jethro didn't go into all these details like that, but this is, this is the crux of it. Moses, if your goal is selflessness, pointing to God, if your goal is the betterment of your people, you will listen to this. And he did. And there are times that you and I encounter things that we have to realize that maybe this isn't about me and it's about those around me or about the Lord. In fact, the truth is most of our lives really are about that. What so often blocks me from wise counsel is not the counsel itself, it's my own pride, my own arrogance, it's my own lack of selflessness. Receiving counsel wisely requires humility, a willingness to learn and to grow, to be selfless and a concern for others. In In the short term, it would be good for Moses to delegate. But as we look at this morning, the real, the real, real lesson for us this morning, I think, is this. How do we approach our service and work for the Lord? Do we see ourselves as indispensable? Are we the only ones that know what we're doing and that we're able? Are we, even if we don't really think of ourselves that way, are we somewhat prideful in our own efforts? I think we're the only ones that really know what's happening or have all the answers. Or will we be like Moses here? Hearing wise counsel, being selfless and humble in whatever the circumstances may be, and responding to the work of God through another. That's not easy always to do. But it's what Moses did. As he rejoiced in what God had done and received godly words and how he could move forward before the rumblings on Mount Sinai.